Hello, this is Jamie from Stonemaier Games, and I'm excited today to join uh, Stuart and Felipe here for a topic that I'm really, really curious to hear their thoughts on. This is our favorite games that we like to play with our partners. So we'll start out with Stuart here today. Why were you interested in this topic? Who are you, and, and why are you interested in this topic? So my name's uh, Stuart Bettis. I live in Melbourne, down in sunny Australia. Um, I was interested in this topic because it was actually my wife that got me back into board gaming about 10 years ago. Um, so she bought me Ticket to Ride in Carcassonne as a Christmas present. And I hadn't played games since the 80s. I was into Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, kids came along and work and just kind of lost track. So that was a big eye-opener to me that, um, you know, these games existed. Um, and I always enjoy trying to find a game that my wife likes to play. We've got different tastes. I like medium weight Euro games, um, which can take, you know, 60 minutes to two hours. But she likes games that are quick to set up, quick to learn and quick to play. So 30 minutes, 45. So it's always trying to find that that balance. Um, so that's really why I chose this topic. And it's most of my list is based on games that are more suited for my wife, um, that, but I enjoy playing as well. Um, and I guess my connection to Stonemaier was um, during COVID, we had some long lockdowns in Melbourne in 2020 and 2021. So I bought a lot of games online. I played a lot of, well, you can see Viticulture and Wingspan and Red Rising. Found your um, your YouTube channel, folks started following you from there. And then this year became a champion and was lucky enough to become an ambassador. And I've used that at some of our uh, weekly and monthly games nights to um, teach apri and expeditions so it's been a lot of fun that's wonderful thank you Stuart. felipe what about you yeah so hey my name is felipe i am a chilean actually living in germany um i came here with my wife uh, seven years ago in 2016 to finish our phds in astronomy and uh, actually uh the hobby we kind of discovered together uh i always play games uh with my family but more let's say mass market uh, more simple games um and it wasn't until right before coming to germany that a friend of us in chile introduced us to Catan, um the father of all gateways and uh, we fell in love uh with the game we actually bought it it was the first game in our collection we bought the travel edition to Catan to bring it uh to germany um so we basically are uh, so she's my main uh, play group that's why i was interested in this topic um in difference with uh, Stuart, uh, we actually share most of our taste in, in games with with my, my wife we tend to go for medium medium weight euros um and my connection to store my games is uh actually i i stumble upon jamie's uh content in youtube um because i'm interested in designing games um even though still haven't done anything um i was very interested in well what he had to say and what uh in his approach to games um, I, I really like uh, what he has to say and i actually started trying to find stonemaier games to play i through a friend played scythe and then i acquired wingspan Viticulture, I, I played tapestry through Borgia Marina, and I, I really love the brand. So I become, became um, an ambassador like almost a year ago, right after Essen last year. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you both for, for joining me today for this chat. I'll say when I was thinking about this topic, um, I so we're talking about games that we can play with partners. They're games that play well with only one other person. Um, but I'm going to find I'm finding this interesting because today we'll talk about games that we're specifically playing with our partner. So someone that we care about, that we see probably every day. Most people I think who are watching this might think of your partner as someone that you live with. And so I think that fits into a slightly different category of, of games than just any two player game that you might play with anyone. So I'm very curious to hear what you two have to say about that topic as we jump into our honorable mentions. Um, so for honorable mentions, we'll just say the names of the games. We won't go into detail on these unless there's one that you want to spend a little bit more time on. Stuart, why don't you share your list of honorable mentions? 
No worries. Well, I've actually got them off to one side, so I'll put them up on the screen as I, as I talk about them. Um, but um, basically, any ticket to ride game or any Carcassonne game. So there we go. Uh, mainly because they were the, the gateway games that really got us into the topic. And we always, you can see in the background, I've got nearly every expansion and known to man back there. So that's really why we, we chose those. Um, the other one was Isle of Sky. So we've really enjoyed playing that game. Um, Century Spice Road. That's another one. This was actually from this weekend. I taught my wife Verdant and it became an instant, yes, like that game. So that's on the list. We've got Azul. Another one from this weekend, Calco. And then obviously had to be on the list, Wingspan. Parks. And then we've also enjoyed playing Forbidden Desert or Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert. So those are my honorary mentions. Uh, Felipe, what about you? Yeah, so I actually, it was very hard for me to come up with this list because basically all of our collections, there are those are games that we enjoy together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I actually um, don't have many cooperative games because uh, we tend to play mostly competitive games. Even though we actually, we do enjoy some co cooperative games, we mostly play competitive. But the first one in my honorable mention list is the only cooperative game or fully cooperative game that we have. It's uh, Micro Macro. Um, and well, the rest are all competitive. And I'm going to uh, basically uh, uh, mention them in the order of um, closer to making the, the top four, basically. So the rest are Cat Lady. Jaipur, uh, Hanamikoji, Wingspan, Oh My Goods, Enchanted Plumes, and Splendor Duo. Plumes, I'll type this out for the, the final description here. And uh, Splendor Duel. I haven't played Splendor Duel yet, but I've heard good things about mm -hmm. that. Wonderful. It was, it was really, really, really close uh, <laughs> to make the list. It was a difficult cut. Nice. My honorable mentions for this video, I, I largely looked back at um, previous games I've done about games that I enjoy at two players, not necessarily two player games, but games that I enjoy at two players. And I also looked at Megan's top 10 list. Uh, she contributed to a video about a year ago. And so I have I have those links in the video below. But some games that I pulled off those lists for honorable mentions were Sagrada and most recently Sagrada Artisans, the legacy version of it, Parks, Star Wars Deck Building, and Seven Wonders Duel are my top honorable, honorable mentions for this category. Well, let's jump in and start with our list. Uh, Stuart, you want to go with your number four? Yeah, my number four is a relatively new game, and um, it's on the list because my wife has been learning to fly a um, small engine plane for the last couple of years. So when we saw this uh, get released, we thought we had to try it out. We really enjoyed it. Um, and that's Sky Team. So Sky Team is a two-player co-op game where you're trying to land a plane at different um, runways around the world and obviously they get increasing difficulty as you as you go um, at the start of the game you you get yourself a player screen and you get um, four dice so there's blue and there's orange and one of you is the pilot and the other player is a co-pilot and what you've what you're trying to do is you roll four dice behind your screen and you can't talk to each other through on each each turn. Um, and you're basically trying to place the four dice onto your control panel. So you probably can't see that that well. Uh, but Jamie will probably pull something up. But basically you've yeah. got um, you've got the, the pilot plays in blue and the co-pilot plays in orange, as you can see. And the pilot's got specific things they have to do. So they have to... Um, drop the landing gear. They have to do the brakes at the bottom. Um, but there's also some mandatory uh, 
places on the on the console that you have to do every round with two dice. And one is the, the axis, so keeping your, your plane level. And what you're trying to do is get two dice that are virtually the same number or close to it, because if you get one higher than the other, your plane starts to tilt. And if it tilts too far, um, then you obviously spiral out of control and crash. And then your engines are the way that you move your, your plane closer to the airport. So again, the sum of your two dice, um, depending on where it sits in this um, ring here, determines how far you move that round. So you have to do that mandatory every every round. Um, and then the other dice you can do whatever you want with. So the like I say, the pilot has to drop the landing gear and he has to do the brakes. And the co-pilot has to do the flaps. Now the flaps have to be done in order. So um, from top to bottom, and there's numbers on them signifying which dice you can put in. And there's also, you can see on your map, there's basically planes in your way that you've got to clear out of the way. And there's some spots on your console where you can talk to traffic control. And depending on the number of dice that you put down, so if you put down a dice three, you count three spots. And if there's a plane there, you clear it out of your way. There's also down the bottom what they call the concentration area where you can put any dice in this area and you get a coffee cup. And what the coffee cup basically allows you to do is you can play that any time and you can increase your die by plus one or decrease it by minus one. And that's quite important at times when you're, you're trying to get, especially when you're trying to keep your plane level, you know, if you're one higher on your dice than your partner, you can drop it down and keep that level. And you basically work through every round. Um, so at the end of the round, your altitude moves downwards. So you're getting lower and lower and you're trying to get your plane to get, you know, with your speed to get closer and closer to the, the runway while also getting rid of your, your planes. Um, the way you win the game is when you get to the runway, if you get there at the same time as the altitude, you've got to have your plane at the right level. You've got to have your all your brakes or as many as your brakes done as you can. All your flaps have got to be down. All your landing gear's got to be down. And your brakes have to be a higher number than your final speed. So I think in an example here, I think we got our brakes up to uh, six and our final speed was five. So we were, our brakes were higher than our, than our speed. So we managed to land, but it's just, it's a really good game. Um, my wife said it's more stressful than actually flying a plane, but <laughs> having said that, she still enjoyed it. And, um, and what we can see is they, all the runways get more, more tricky as you go through the game. So, so yeah, that's my number four. And so what uh, what makes you love this game as a, as a partnership game specifically? Um, basically because we, you're trying in between the rounds you can have you can talk tactics so you can say mm -hmm. right well we know we need to clear some of the some of the planes out the way so that's what we should should target on this on this uh, round but it's, it's just it can get quite amusing where when you put a dice on the, on the on the board and you either get a a sigh of, oh, well, that was the right move. You made the right move there or a groan as if to say, oh, why did you put that down? Because I can't, you know, now I need to use another mm -hmm. another dice. And I've actually learned a bit about uh, flying from my wife just by um, playing this game. Like she'll tell me things about, you know, when she's actually out there flying and how it relates to to the game. So that's been really interesting. And it's just, it's just a nice little 20-minute um, game that you play and, yeah, really enjoy it. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing Sky Team at your number four. Felipe, what is your number four and uh, why do you love it as a game to play with your partner? Yeah, so my number four is actually the biggest box we own. Uh, so I'm going to hold it for just a couple of seconds. Uh, so it's a classic, Alhambra. So mm -hmm. it's Bill's Jarvis winner at early 2000s. Um, and to to explain a little bit why we love it, um, I, I, want, I always like to tell the story of how we got this big box. Um, so we were not that into a hobby yet. It was around, I think, 2018. Uh, we had a few games, but not that many. And it was the Black Friday, Black Friday sale uh, here in Germany. That also happens in Germany, apparently, following the, uh, the US. And um, we were just shopping for stuff. And we saw this 
ginormous box uh, at around, I think it was some something like 12 euros, very cheap. And we were like, oh, this is a game plus five expansions that each expansion has, I think like some, somewhere around four modules. Let's, let's buy it. So we brought it home and I, um, I'm the one learning the rules. Uh, but at that time I was that accustomed to it. So we sat down to play and I was like, let's just play it normally. And let's just uh, forget about the two, two player special rules because this game has a slightly different rule set for two players. I was like, cannot handle more, any more rules. Mm-hmm. Even though it's now I, I see that it's a pretty simple game. Let's just play it like that. And it was a terrible experience. We played, it was so long, so boring. And we were like, oh, when is this going to end? And we didn't touch the game. After we finished, it was like, oh, yeah, this is OK, but it's way too long. We didn't touch it for a year until I went through the rules again and said, like, what if we play with the actual two player rules? And two player rules are actually novel, not particularly diffi- uh, difficult, difficult to implement. It's basically to have an additional um, mock player. It's called Dirk, uh, following the name of the designer, in which you just have to give it uh, this, this, this um, subset of the tiles. So this game is a tiling game, which you are each player is building their own Alhambra in front of them. Uh, you are trying to collect sets of uh, different color buildings, as well as tr- having to manage the special pos- puzzle of having to have the external wall. Um, and the, th- the thing is that you are competing for having the largest group of the different color buildings. And with Dirk present, you because you just grab tiles and give it to 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 him at the beginning of each round, you they have like a set number of tiles there that you have to compete against as well. So basically why we love it together is because we love to hate Dirk um, <laughs> uh, every time we play. And it's, and it's it's very it's a very nice game. It's a very interesting puzzle. It's also very tense because we are competing, but it's not it's not mean in any way. Um, it's also way shorter when you play with the actual two-player rule. It's a very important lesson in if there are special two-player rules, use them because otherwise the game is not going to work very, very well. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, uh, about it with Alhambra. I appreciate you talking about the idea of games with different rules for two players that they can sometimes seem daunting or that you have to learn another game, but oftentimes it's just a little addition to the rule or a little change. And it's neat that with Dirk, you actually found common ground with your wife to, to compete against Dirk and, and that you could feel that togetherness while competing against this autonomous player. Exactly. Yeah. So that is Felipe's number four, Alhambra, specifically the Alhambra big box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't um, mention, I mm-hmm. just quickly, I just wanted to mention a little caveat is Alhambra base game is it's it's good, we like it, but there are a few expansions that are in this box that I think we consider very important, bordering essential. So it's good that you mentioned that specifically the big box because some of the expansions that are here are, are, are they really make the game more complete. Nice. nice. Well, I have a, a different type of game here. I have picked my city as my selection for number four. Um, I play, I have a few different gaming groups that I play games with. With Megan, while we do play two player standalone games quite often, we also, she is my main partner for campaign games. And so I think I have two campaign games on my list, and my city is one of them. And I think one of the reasons I think a game like this is a great for uh, for partnership and a partner specifically is that um, it's very easy for me to play a campaign game with Megan. It's much harder for me to play a campaign campaign game with a group of like three or four or five other people where we have to coordinate those schedules. And one of the nice things about my city as a campaign game specifically is that it's a very short game. It's around twenty minutes. It's simultaneous play. You're placing these polyomino tiles. Um, down on your on your mat. And uh, because it's very short, it means that uh, even if my schedule and Megan's schedule are slightly different on any given day, we could probably find 20 minutes to play a game. 
And as we were playing through my city, we often found ourselves wanting to play one more game after that. And so the shortness of the game, similar to what Stuart said about Sky Team, the shortness was a big asset to the game because we could play one. And if we were in the mood, we could play another one right away or even a third game. Um, and we could have fun with that progression within the same session. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we just we really enjoyed playing through uh, the campaign for My City. And one of the bonuses of My City is that it technically plays up to four players. But it's uh, and so we were able to reset the game, not not our legacy portions, but reset other parts that might impact other players. And we give it to a, another friend, a pair of friends, and they were able to play through the campaign using the same box. Have either of you played My City? No, I haven't, but it's interesting when you talk, say campaign games. So I have, I've got one on my list on my top four. And I actually just thought with Sky Team, I don't think it's classed as a campaign game, but when you play it, the first runway is like your beginner. And then you mm -hmm. unlock a box within the game with different difficulties. So we've almost played it like a campaign. It's like, well, tonight, you know, we're going to do the next level of difficulty. So, uh, and my wife, like we don't play a lot of campaign games, but she suddenly turned around to say, well, I actually like these these types of games because they're quick, they're easy, and you can come back to them at any time. Um, so I, I can see us playing a lot more like, like that. And My City sounds sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in my case, I ha I only have played the Eternal version, I think it's called. Yes. So the, the, once you've, you're done, you can flip it. So we have a friend that has this game, and she started the campaign with three other friends, and unfortunately, the friends had to move. Uh, that's very common among uh, mm -hmm. the people in, in our field. And um, she wants actually to resume this campaign to maybe try to start over or, or ask to, to take over from where they left off. So uh, we might be able to play at some point in the near future. Wonderful. I've heard good things about the eternal version too, even just by itself. Mm -hmm. So that's great. So those are all of our number four, Sky Team, Alhambra, and My City. Stuart, why don't we go to you for why you love your number three game as a game to play with your partner? So number three, uh, we love this game because it's probably the game we've played the most together. Um, and it's it's not solely a two-player, it's two to four-player, but um, it's just a classic. It's um, Splendor. So every time we've played this, um, it's gone down to the wire. It's always been a close, close game. And it's one of those games where you're trying to work through the I guess the field of all the colors and the gems and trying to find your path of, well, if I get this, I can, you know, potentially get the, the one up here that's got three points and then I could get the noble up the top. And it's, and it's interesting when your partner realizes that's what you're doing and they think, well, I'm going to stop you from doing that. So I'm going to, you know, reserve that card and I'm going to, you know, take it out of here. You've got to try and change your path. So it becomes not cutthroat, but it just becomes quite amusing as you're working through it and going, right, well, that's what I was going to do. Now you've just completely ruined that idea. So now I've got to go down another way. And it's just, we've just found it, it's it's just a quick and, you know, it's half an hour, 45 minutes, but it doesn't feel like that when we play it. Um, mm -hmm. And we've got, we've got the expansion, we've got um, the marble version, and we've also got the Splendor Jewel version. And... To be honest, the, the one we've enjoyed the most has been Marvel. And we're not really Marvel um, people, but um, I think on that one, you've got to you've got to get 16 points. The base game, you've got to get 15. But also, it pushes you. You have to have a colour of every single gem, or in this case, it's the Infinity Stones. So you have to have every, every one of every card of that colour, plus you have to have a green Infinity, which I think is one of the almost like the tiles at the top as well as getting 16 points so it pushes you to do virtually everything in the game whereas in the base game you're just looking at um whoever can get to 15 points doesn't really matter how you do it you could have all reds and all yellow or you know all diamonds um but that's really why we enjoy it it's just it's it's been our go-to game um for years you know when we want to pull something off and we can't off the shelf we can't decide what it is splendor seems to be the way to go and now that splendid jewel has, has been there it's always been useful to take that away on holidays it's small to pack and and quick to play so um and like i say it's always because it's been very very close every game so it's uh, there's a bit of bit of banter that goes on between the two of us when we're, when we're playing so that's my number Felipe, you put splendor duel very close to your top four is there a reason that you like that one 
more than Splendor? Or do, do you like that as a partnership game more than Splendor? Yes. So I, I, I really like Splendor. We actually tried it and we like it as well. Um, but yeah, the slight tweaks that uh, this dual version has, uh, it's more enjoyable for us as a as a partner game. This basically the tension that you have in front with the, this uh, special distribution of tiles. Now they're not piles that you can just grab. You, you have to take into consideration adjacency and things like that. Um, it's um, it has this uh, this spark um, that really it's really really nice. We we really 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 like it, but we actually chose a different two-player only game for our list. Nice. So that is Splendor and the Splendor family of games for Stuart at number three. Felipe, what's your number three pick? Yeah, so basically the segue is what I was just speaking about. Mm -hmm. uh, my number three is actually our newest game, but the newest in the list, and it's the only two-player only game that we own. Um, and it's, uh, I don't think, as well known as the other ones. It's called Sobek Two Players. Um, so this was uh, released in 2022. Um, we tried it in uh, in Essen when it was released, um, and it's from the master Bruno Catala, uh, one of my favorite designers. Um, this game it's uh, based on an original game from I don't remember, I think around 2010 that we haven't tried, so I I don't have a point of comparison. Um, but when we tried this game in Essen. Um, when we were demoing at around halfway point, I was like, I love this game. Mm -hmm. We are going to buy it immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and the wife thought the same. Uh, so basically is um, for us, at least is the perfect combination of several games that we really like Jaipur, um, King Domino, and a little bit of Seven Wonders Duel as well. Uh, and it's not surprising um, if you think about the, the designer. So, um, mm -hmm the designers of the aforementioned games. Um, so in this game, what you're doing is you're collecting this tile from the market, from the certain market. You are set collecting. And, and similar to King Domino, the, your end points are the number of tiles multiplicated by the symbol that is there in this case is a, it's a scarab. Um, but why is it so, so interesting as a two-player game and why we love it so much is this what Jamie is showing here on the screen. It's uh, this, in your, on your turn, you can do basically two things, either grab tiles from the market, moving this pawn, or to sell um, tiles from your hand. And what what you grab, you have to follow uh, the direction of this pawn. Um, and what you grab afterwards, uh, the direction of the pawn is determined by this uh, like darker areas of the tile on, on the edges. So it could mm -hmm. be like pointing towards the um, horizontally or vertically or diagonally, basically telling you how you are supposed mm -hmm. to orient the pawn after you take the tile. So it, be, it becomes this really interesting timing exercise that when do I take something? Um, where am I leaving to the other player? When do I, do I not move the pawn to sell? So when, when, how much do I accumulate to sell at once? Because you you can sell only one type of resource at a time. Um, so this this tension is it's really really nice. This timing that you have to uh, basically it's it's almost like a dance, right? Like you you are moving this pawn and you're trying to get the best tiles, but also not leaving the best one to the other one. And why we like it so much as a two-player game, um, slightly over games like Seven Wonders Duel and things like that. It's like it doesn't have this like directly mean component um, of, for example, in, in Seven Wonders Duel, um, like destroying cards from the other player or, or taking away mm -hmm. money or things like that. Um, but still, you have to think what the other one is doing and trying to prevent them to take what they want. Otherwise, you're going to lose, which is always what happens to me because I, every time I lose miserably in this game. <laughs> when we played it in Essen, um, my wife scored out of the scale. And the guy was that was playing the rules was very surprised. If I was completely destroyed, but yeah, that's our favorite two-player game. I'll have to look into that, and I'm glad that you mentioned that those types of interaction in games that 
that can lead to, especially with a partner, that can lead to negative feelings after the game is over. And even during the game, when I'm playing a game with Megan, I don't really, I want there to be tension, but I don't want to take something that she really wanted. I don't want to destroy something that she has built for sure. Um, because we have the relationship to manage at the same time. And so I, that's more important to me than what happens in the game, but I still want to have fun with the game when I'm playing with her. So I'm curious if we'll have some other, I know we have some other competitive games to talk about today and we'll, we'll pay attention to those types of, that type of tension and those types of interactions. This is on Board Game Arena in case you want to try it. Oh, great. Okay, nice. So that's Sobek two players specifically for Felipe's number two. All right, number three, number three, I'm sorry. My number three is uh, a game that I enjoy, I enjoyed higher player counts, but I also really enjoyed it two players. And that is this big box for Isle of Cats, the Isle of Cats. Um, this is, I guess, another polyomino game. My city was also a polyomino game. I'll bring it up on my screen here while I'm talking about it. Um, but yeah, this is a, a card drafting uh, polyomino in the form of cats. Um, placement game where you're placing these cats on your own ship. And largely, uh, you are doing your own thing in the game, although there are some good interactions through the card drafting. So there's still a good at, you know, level of interaction there and interactions through the tiles that you're taking from the center display. So every round, you're, you're taking some of those tiles that your opponent won't get. Um, and so it's kind of some softer forms of interaction rather than, than negative interactions. I'm not hurting something that, that Megan is working on. And oftentimes in Isle of Cats, uh, if Megan is focusing on a specific color of cat, then that cat is less available and therefore less likely for me to take that color. And so we're not really competing over the same colors often if we're if we're doing that. I'll continue to uh, bring up a photo here so I can show people what, what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so here's kind of some of those polyamino tiles on a ship that, that you're building up. And it's just one of those games where it's it, there's also a nice level of whimsy to it. Uh, it's a whimsical game. And so as I'm building my ship, it's fun for me to talk about it a little bit to Megan and to look at what she is building over the course of the game. And uh, I, I just find that it flows really well. One of the common themes with all of my games that I selected here is that uh, there's very little downtime with any of these mm -hmm. games. Uh, where, where, yeah, with uh, with my city, it was a simultaneous game. The next game that I have to mention is a simultaneous game. And most often in my Isle of Cats, you're hardly ever waiting on your opponent to do anything. You were always doing something almost at the same time as they are doing it, which I don't know if that goes for all types of games with partners, but I, I think it I think it works well. If I'm not sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting for Megan to take her turn, um, these games work really, work really well for that. Have either of you played Isle of Cats? Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got that. I think um, polyom, how have you said polyomino um, games? I've got, Baron, I've, I've got Baron Park, and I played that with my wife. And I think the whole trying to work out how to place it, like looking at the tiles and looking at the shapes, and then working out how to place it on your board, kind of, it, it didn't didn't sit sit with my wife. Um, so we played it once or twice, and she didn't didn't really get into it. And I've got Isle of Cats and love Isle of Cats, but I. I've yet to play it with it because I think I'll probably have the same the same issue, um, but I'll, I'll give it a go. Yeah, we do we do have it um, and we love it. Um, it. It was in, con in consideration for the list, uh, but I think uh, my wife she she likes the polyomino games, but I think she struggles a little bit with the speciality of it's this type of player that she has to pick up the tile and try it before she cannot really see it yeah. from there. So. But uh, yeah, we enjoyed it anyway. We bought the, the, the expansion and everything. Um, and I wanted to expand on what um, Jamie was saying that this drafting, drafting, the drafting mechanic is actually also one of my, our, our favorite mechanisms because it brings this, this type of interaction that it, it doesn't really feel mean. Because you are, if you take something thinking of, okay, I'm not going to give it to her, at least it's not it's not really explicit right like you're just taking mm -hmm. it and normally i don't really do it that much in my case I, i'm also a little bit uh, i'm a care bear so uh -huh. we're trying to have fun but the drafting mechanic even though i in in the top four i didn't pick any of them of, of the game with a main mechanic it's a it's a good point it's a good mechanism for partners yeah, I, I agree. It's a nice form of interaction. And one of the neat things about Isle of Cats is the game makes you take two cards. So you're and, and you don't actually end up 
even playing all of the cards because you then have to pay for the cards to play them. So oftentimes you're taking cards that you might play later, maybe even much later in the game. You don't really know yet. Um, so it doesn't feel negative, I think, uh, when you're, when you're drafting those cards. So yeah, that is, uh, I guess, for our number threes, we had uh, Splendor, so back two players, and the Isle of Cats. Stuart, let's go on to your number two pick. So my number two um, is a game from a couple of years ago, I think 2021, and it's um, Cascadia. And we just, to be honest, we just love the, the theme of the game. We love the look of the game. And we actually took it away. I bought it before we went on a holiday down to Tassie, down to Tasmania. And the scenery that we looked out at every day, you know, mountains and lakes and stuff it just reminded us so much of this this game and we we played it nearly every day and just fell in love with it um it's a combination of trying to balance your scoring cards so you have the animal scoring cards at the start that are all random and they sort of score in different ways in terms of where you place your habitat tiles and then you've also got a market of four habitat tiles and four um, wildlife tokens um, but you can pick um, one of each per round. Um, but you're trying to balance, do you go for um, the scoring cards or do you try and expand your habitats um, to match? Because at the end of the day, you get points, one per tile of each of the joined habitats, but you also get that majority uh, bonus as well if you've got more than your, your partner. So we always find that when we're playing it, you're always keeping an eye on, the other one to see which which cards are they going for which um which habitats are they trying to expand on and again it's one of these games where i think we've only ever had a couple of points between us at the end of the game it's been that been that close um and it just it it just looks good as well when you when you finished your you know your little grid and you can you can have a look at uh, what you've done and how you've done it and it is one of these games where you can physically see you know, all right, so, you know, my wife's going for the, the run of salmon and that's going to get it. You can actually see where their points are coming from. So it's it, it's a nice bit of tension towards the end of the game where you're looking at, you know, what tiles are out in the market. If you have one of those uh, nature tokens, as I didn't mention those, those nature tokens allow you to take a, a tile and a, a token from a different row or different column. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, you can kind of... Not take that, but you can uh, manoeuvre yourself to get the tiles that you know that your partner's trying to get. Um, yeah, and we've, we've just really enjoyed it. It's, it's quick to play, like we probably 30 minutes, um, quick to set up. Um, and we're actually looking forward to, I think, Landmark's expansion is coming out very soon. So we're keen to see how that changes it up or whether just to get more variety as well with the, the cards because um, we find, you know, you go through those um, scoring cards pretty quick, so it'd be nice to get some some variety to that. But yeah, I think just the memories of playing it as well down in Tassie, it's just a beautiful, beautiful location, and you then see it on the table when you're playing it as well, and it, um, yeah, it brings yeah. brings back good memories. And yeah, we we like the whole you know drafting tiles and placing tiles and the way it looks on on the board. And I mean that goes back to Carcassonne, which was one of the gateway games as well. So. So that's that's my number two. Yeah, this is another drafting game, a different form of drafting, but it is a drafting game. And I'm yeah. curious. So Felipe, Felipe just mentioned that his wife often crushes him at Sobek two player. Stuart, you mentioned that you often end up with very close scores in Cascadia. Have you two noticed a pattern there? Do you often gravitate back to games that where you're very com competitive games where you're very close, or are there yeah. just certain? Yeah. Is that the norm? Yeah. Yeah, we we do because I think you get to a point if you if you play a game where somebody is continually winning by large margins when you when you say oh let's have a game tonight and you, rec you recommend that game it's you usually get the reaction of no i'm not playing that because i know what the result's <laughs> going to be so i'm not going to bother you know uh -huh. so so a lot of these games like say splendor is always pretty close um cascadia is always pretty close uh, some of the games we played over the weekend so i introduced again by the same publisher verdant and calico and they they ended up being quite close as well. So I can see those being played. But yeah, we tend to stick away from games where one of us is thrashing the other the other player. So and also the take that games we're not that keen on. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so. Felipe, is that the same with you, or do you 
you were yeah, yeah i would like to expand on that because yeah we we like when it's close and she really really likes when she crushes me so she, <laughs> i hope she doesn't see this video because she will, she will kill me because i i'm, I'm telling you this but um, yeah <laughs> she she really enjoys when she's crashing in the game and when i crash which is not uh particularly frequent uh then yeah, we tend to not play them that much. So it's also an incentive for me to, <laughs> to try not to do that. But yeah. And I, I would say I'm um a little bit of a mix of the two because I I am often the person who is suggesting that we play a game, even though Megan loves to play games. She has a number of games that she will pick out if we want to play a game. Um but my motivation when I play games, even though it feels good to win, that is fairly low down on my motivation list on why I play games. Whereas for Megan, I think it's fairly higher up on the list that she feels really good when she wins a game. And so if we can play a game where I have created something cool and unique and fun, that's what I get a lot of pleasure from. And if she won the game, uh, then it's a win-win for both of us, even if she crushed me. And if she did, did crush me, she feels really, really good. And so I'm happy for her to feel happy. Yeah, I'm a bit the same. I like, most of these games are games where I've, I've taught them to my wife and mm -hmm. she's enjoyed them. It's like, and you get a lot of enjoyment out of that to just say, well, now I've actually found a game that she likes. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. I, so Cascadia for Stuart's number two. Felipe, what is your number two selection? So my number two is uh, another classic. Um, it's all, not a two-player only game, but many people actually prefer a two-player. It's the Castles of Burgundy. Mm. Uh, this is the 2019 anniversary edition, uh, which in, includes the, a few of the expansions up to the, this point. Um, so yeah, this is one of my favorite games. I really, really love it. I tried it for the first time digitally and uh, I, after a few plays, I, I was like, I'm in love with this game. I love the design. I love the simplicity of it. So in this game, you are basically, you're at the beginning of the round, you roll two dice and those are your two actions. And each die is for one out of four actions. And the two main ones are either grab a tile from the market or put a tile from your, from your depot onto your personal board. You are trying to build this, uh, Dutchy and trying to well, get uh, points by either completing areas or having buildings that give you points or uh, different, a variety of things. So what I love about this game as, as game design is uh, just this, the, simplicity of, the simplicity of the rules versus the, how strategic it can be. Um, it's so simple. Of course, there are a bunch of details with the actual tiles, but the the core rules are like as simple as what I already explained. Um, so it's such an elegant game. This word is used a lot for describe this this game, but I find it pretty elegant, almost perfect design. And why we love it? Basically, it's because we well, my the wife loves it. It's because she clicked with it when the first time we played it, and even though I, I played it a bunch before digitally, she crashed me immediately. And I was actually surprised because I told her like, I played this a lot, so I probably will win. And and I wasn't trying to not win that time and she destroyed me. And I was like, <laughs> how is this possible? And still like I played a bunch of Borgia Marina and I, I, um, I even played tournaments. I'm not particularly good, but I, I played a lot. I have a lot of practice and we played together and she crashed me again and i'm like how is this <laughs> she just clicked with the game i think um yeah this um and why is it good i think it's it's very similar to what we already mentioned uh for for partners you you have the tension of okay i need that tile i hope i can get it first so i will try to stay ahead on this track that determines the player order and um it's much it's much nicer in the two-player format because you are so back and forth. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wait the whole the whole round to to see how you have changed and and it's more it's tighter because you have le, you have less um, tiles in the market. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's such a good game. It's one of my favorites and also the wives. Yeah. I would say one of the assets that you've kind of mentioned here is that Castles of Burgundy. I think the, the playtime is basically 
you know, the, the, the number of players times around 30 or 40 minutes. And so if you're only playing it with two players, you get to go, go through a game probably in an hour, maybe even a little bit less if you know the game really well. Whereas if you're adding those extra players, you're probably doubling the playing time in the end. And so it's a great example of a game that can play at higher player counts, but plays some faster at a smaller player count. That that can be a lot of fun. Yeah, Stuart, have you played this one? Yeah, I've played it. Um, it probably falls into that category of probably a bit too heavy for my wife and a bit too long. I agree. You could probably knock it out in about an hour, but I find that half an hour to forty-five minutes is a sweet spot for my wife. And um, if you have, if she has too many options as well uh, on the board in terms of what tiles to take and what to use the dice for, it. Um, I could see it, it taking quite a long time, but I, I love the game. I've I played it recently, and uh, I like the the new look of the deluxe version. So hopefully, somebody might buy me it for Christmas. <laughs> I'm also eyeing that special version, even though it's so expensive. But... Yeah, no, I know that's why Santa needs to buy it for me. So, yeah, <laughs> good. good advice. Let's well, the Castle in Burgundy as Felipe is number two. Um, as my number two, I have another simultaneous action game, and that is the game Fantastic. Oh, did I, did I say Fantastic? No, I hope I didn't say this in advance. But yeah, Fantastic Factories. Um, this is a, a game that can play up to five players and plays really well up to five players. But Megan loves it. Megan's very good at it. And it is a game that we can play fairly quickly, simultaneously, if we just play it at two players. Um, there, it's a very low interaction game. There is a little bit of interaction in the market at the beginning of the round, but otherwise, it's you're you're running your, this little engine that you're building and placing dice to um, to meet conditions on cards. Like you can see in the example here, this card wanted probably either a pair, or maybe it wanted specifically fives on it, and so you're creating this engine uh, through the dice, and it. It is fairly multiplayer solitaire, but I don't really mind that when I'm when I'm playing most games in general. But it, it, including a two-player game, uh, it loses some of the tension that we've mentioned in these other games. But it's still really fun to build my own thing while Megan is also building her own thing, and we're we're racing to the end game condition at the same time. Um, and again, I one thing I mentioned here a little bit or a couple of times is playing time and downtime. And I think if with a partner. If you do have different styles of play where one of you maybe has a little bit more or less analysis paralysis than the other one, then it can really stand out, I think, in a two-player partner-driven partner, partner -driven game or two-player game. Uh, and it can lead to sometimes, I think, being a little annoyed by the other person. And I don't want to ever be annoyed by Megan, by Megan or my partner if I can avoid it. And so in these simultaneous games, it avoids that possibility. Mm -hmm. We're up playing at the same pace all the time. And so it leads to more good feelings than any possibility of annoying feelings. Um, but yeah, so that is uh, that is Fantastic Factories, my number two. Have either of you played this game or can you relate to this uh, element of different play styles clashing or fitting well together as you're playing two-player games with your partner? I haven't I haven't played Fantastic Factories, but somebody recommended it to me um, recently and I saw it in the game shop. So it's, I'm glad that you actually... Um, uh, showed that today because uh, it was one of those ones I thought, yeah, I, I think I, I could uh, I could like that. And I think um, my wife does enjoy games where she can run her own little engine off to one side and th there isn't that much player interaction. So I think that that will work quite well. That game. Yeah, so we also haven't played it. Uh, and this is one of this, those games that I've been chasing for a very long time. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to find the English version here in Germany. Um, the other day, I was actually in a flea market and I had it in my hands. So I, was, I found it. It was in German uh -huh. because I'm, I'm pretty sure we will love it. Uh, we have a bunch of this type of multiplayer solitary, uh, multiplayer solitary engine building games like mm -hmm. Wingspan. It's a wonderful world and uh, games of that nature. We we really really like them, and she really enjoys this uh, also. Like having to do their own thing. We're basically competing, but just the points of interaction are, are minimal. Yeah. And you're still paying attention to the opponent a certain amount because you have this race to a certain number of points. I think it's either 10 or 12. And so you're keeping an eye on how many points your, your opponent has accumulated. There's some nice tension there without doing anything to damage what they're doing. Yes. So that is fantastic factories at my number two. I'm excited to hear your number ones and why you selected them for your favorite game to play with your partner. Stuart, what's your number one? 
So my number one um, was a real surprise to us. Um, we bought it. It's a recent game. We got it a couple of months ago. And I think um, from the day we bought it, we played it nearly every night for two, two and a half weeks. And it was the first campaign game that my wife had ever played. And it's Dwarf Romantic. And it just hit that sweet spot of um, my wife works quite long hours. So it's it's a very laid back co-op tile placement game um, where you're basically trying to get the best score you can um, each game. And the score that you get determines how far along you move on a campaign track. Mm -hmm. So you get, a, you get a campaign track and depending on what score you get down the side, it tells you how many spots you can cross off your track. And then you can basically start to open up boxes. Um, and in each box, there's five boxes in the, uh, in the game. And each box contains little secrets of other ways to score more points in your next game that you add to it. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it's not, it wasn't a game that I thought I would enjoy, but I think because it was something that I could get to the table with my wife um, very easy, even, even when she's had a long day, you know, she might get home seven, eight o'clock at night, she would automatically go, let's get it out, let's put it on the table, let's, let's play. And it's like 20, 25 minutes and you always feel like you're achieving something. Even if your score's still low, you're still marking something off on that track and you're usually getting another little um, little uh, nugget of something that you can use in the next game. And that's pretty rare for my wife. If she's had a long day at work and I ask, do you want to play a game? I usually get, no, I'm too tired. But this was the one game where she went, yep, let's get it, let's get it to the table. And yeah, it's... Um, like I say, it was a real surprise because I, I, it's not a really heavy game. It's pretty pretty light. It does say it's um, two to six players, but I think its sweet spot would be two um, mm -hmm. because I think the more players you have, you probably have a lot of people not arguing, but you know, saying, well, where, where should we put this tile? Where should we put that tile? Um, I, sh I should uh, just say it's you basically start off with three task tiles, mm -hmm. um, which then have a task token, and the token will have a number on it. So this one is for a track. So basically that says five, that says four. So once you've got, say, four track tiles all connected, you score that um, task mark, you take that off the board and you add another task token um, to the board. Uh, the task tokens all have that back. Um, there's always got to be three on the board at any one time. And then all your other landscape tiles have just got a, a rat, that kind of back and it's you know, something like that. And the only placement rules are streams need to connect to streams, tracks need to connect to tracks, all the other tiles can be placed however you like it. Uh, and you score based on uh, the number of um, task tokens that you've scored in the game. Um, mm -hmm. There's also some tokens that have uh, flags on them. So one like that. So if you have a fully enclosed, um, you know, this is a grain area. So if you have a, a five tiles of fully closed off, you get five points for your flagged area. And then you also get points for your longest track and your longest stream. And that's really where you, and, and then you look on your campaign sheet, see where your score is. It has some funny, funny words and or funny names of what, what you become. I think you've got, you know, you can be a fisherwoman, you can be a farmer's wife, you can be a harbour master, depending on what you score. And then it tells you how, how far you, you, you move up the up the track so it was it was a nice surprise that she enjoyed that kind of campaign game and i think going back to my city that you said i think i'll be probably <laughs> buying more of these type games because it, it just hits that that sweet spot and we just enjoy just it's just laid back you just sit there and you know have a glass of wine and just play time where should we place this we'll place it there and place it there and and, and it's funny, we had one game, we scored 250 points, biggest score we'd ever scored. And then we, we thought, yes, we know what we're doing. Played another game, 120. <laughs> and it was the same game. So, so it's, it's that kind of thing. It's, it's just fun. Enjoyed it. Well, I appreciate you sharing this. This is one that I'm very curious about, especially given that the idea of winning and losing is more nuanced in this game than in most cooperative games. Megan and I are about to sit down and start playing a game called Earthborn Adventure or Earthborn Rangers that does not have a win condition at all. You kind of just decide what's important to you and you try to achieve those things. And I'm, I'm curious. I think we will like it a lot. I'm, 
for that reason. I'm very curious. And I, I think if we do, we'll probably get this game as well. Felipe, have you played this one? I have not, no. So we tend to not gravitate towards cooperative. So it's right. probably way too chill. And um, <laughs> yeah, but I think we, we should try it and maybe, yeah, it's, but it's not in the, the backlog at the moment. Yeah, like, like I said, I, I can see it. It probably wouldn't appeal to everybody, but it just hit that sweet spot for us with the busy life yeah. that uh, we lead. It was just, mm -hmm. yeah, it down and why we go. Nice. That's Dwarf Romantic as Stuart's number one. Felipe, what is your number one favorite game to play with your partner? Yeah, so my number one is a bit of a, of a cheat, although it's not. It's more like a multi-pronged uh, answer. So it's a fairly popular game in the past couple of years. I'm going to hold the mm. box of the expansion, The Lost Ruins of Arnak. Well, the, the base game is a fairly large box, and it's full of things, and also with an insert, so it waits a ton. So I'm... And I'm holding also the the expansion because it's, this is actually the the, the cheat uh, because the basically what solidified this game as our favorite game to play together was this expansion. Um, this is the expansion that took the game basically with the same rules, but now make it cooperative um, as, as a campaign to to just incorporate the the elements of this expansion into the base game. Um, and we've been loving it uh, a lot. We actually haven't finished the campaign yet. Uh, it's a fairly long game, uh, mm -hmm. and that's um, could be a detriment. Uh, but with every game that we play, we are halfway the, through the campaign. Um, we've been enjoying it a lot. And it's, it's this type of this is so stressful. It's probably like the the opposite of Dorf Romantic. Uh, it's so stressful <laughs> that every time that we finish the game, we've won the three games that we played, barely. I, and actually, the last one, I think, it was, it was very memorable that basically the last card that she drew, it was the one that saved us because we were about to lose. Um, and you are like completely spent after playing it, but you feel <laughs> so good. And it's kind of a bonding experience. Like, you feel so smart and you play... Uh, as a team and you shared stuff. And if you ask my wife, she will tell you that she has to drag me the whole game because she's doing all the hard work and she's then giving me all the resources using the pigeons that are available to send things to the other player. I wouldn't agree with that assessment, but that's what she tells me every time. <laughs> um, but in any case, the, the base game, it's, it's amazing. It's one of my favorite games, if not my favorite game right now. Um, with the ex first expansion, in which now it makes it asymmetric for each player, it's uh, amazing, wonderful. And then now the campaign um, that we've been playing together, it's just, it's a favorite game to play together right now. It's that simple. That's wonderful. And, and coincidentally, Megan and I just finished our campaign of this. Um, and one thing that, I, that I'll add to what you said about the cooperative mode it's a it's a one or two player cooperative mode is that it doesn't sacrifice anything in my opinion it doesn't sacrifice anything from the competitive play i still have a lot of decisions to make on my own that i need to manage and i get the same feeling of progression that i get from um from playing the competitive game it just has that little extra edge of uh of cooperation and a little like you mentioned the the little bird that you can send back and forth mm -hmm. with uh with a supply to help the other player and the scenarios change and make give you a sense of story and progression as as a campaign as well that we're doing together so i really like that it, it pairs that cooperative element with the feeling that i'm still in charge of my own game of lost runes of arnak like any like any other game of it mm -hmm. yeah yep. and something that i wanted to mention how i remember is also, I think worker placement games uh, tend to be a nice uh, type of uh, mechanism, at least to uh, for partners, because it, it provides this sense of interaction because of the blocking. But it's not really mean normally, at least. Well, if you're doing it on purpose just to block, okay, it can be mean, but it's not in inherently mean, at least. Um, and and this is a worker placement plus deck building game. Um, so that's something I remember I wanted to mention. Yeah, I agree. Stuart, any thoughts on Lost Runes of Arnak? I haven't actually played it, surprisingly. Oh. It's one of those ones that I've seen, and I'd heard that you you were playing the, the campaign game. So mm -hmm. I think 
from what I've seen, I think it, it might just get on that medium level of uh, complexity that my wife may, it may not hit that sweet spot, but um, yeah, I might, uh, might give that one a go as well. Well, that's a great pick. The Law Students of Arnat collection of games, including the cooperative campaign for Philippe's, Philippe's number one. My number one is also a cooperative uh, campaign game. I have the smaller of the boxes here. This is Role Player Adventures. This is the new expansion that we haven't started playing yet, but we're very excited to start playing it. This was, as far as I can recall, a 10-game campaign in Role Player Adventures, and somewhat similar to Lost Rooms of Arnak. It is a play off of the game Role Player, which is a competitive game that I also really love. Um, but in the cooperative game, instead of placing dice to build a character, in role player adventures, and I'll pull it up on the screen here, you are placing dice uh, to complete skill tests and combat tests. Here's an example here. And so you're working together, you each have your own set of dice, but you're working together to decide uh, if and where you should place your dice and in what order when you either have combat, which is shown here. And let's see if I have an example of another skill test somewhere in here. I'll try to find one. But it, that the cooperation of trying to complete these skill tests while still building your own character over the course of the game and getting more cards, more dice, more abilities feels really good. And uh, so, yeah, that that that's the main reason that I love it as a partnership game. As a campaign game in general, I could go on and on. I have, a, I have a very long video about how much I love this game and all the different challenges it presents. But I think one of the things that made me really enjoy it as a campaign game to share with Megan is that I thought it did a really great job, and you can see one example here a little bit, of making each scenario feel unique and memorable because each scenario has its own map that you're playing on. Like this map that you can see in the image here is completely unique to this scenario, and then you never use it again. You can look at it again, but you never use it again. Each one is uniquely illustrated. Each one has a unique challenge. And so it really made each session feel unique and special and memorable. Um, and I think that's one of the great things about playing a campaign game with a partner that you can make those memories together. So yeah, role player adventures is my number one pick for this category. Have either of you played that one or, or played role player? No, I played role player, but not uh, not the campaign game. But um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Had this uh, session today. It's uh, like half of my my picks were games we compete against each other, and then I'd say Sky Team and Dwarf Romantic are more the campaign and. And um, it's good to see the campaign games that you've, you've shown as well, because I think that's really, in terms of playing games with a wife moving forward, I think that's probably more the type that we're going to go for, because mm -hmm. yeah, you just, just, you just feel, yeah, you know, you're not having a, have a, a competition against each other and you just sat there, you know, trying to work it out yourself. So, yeah, some good picks today. Nice. So I haven't had the pleasure of any of the, of either the original role-player role or the role-player adventures. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite interested, and especially that Jamie mentions it a lot, so it sounds it sounds awesome. I have I have a question. Uh, is it, in Lost Ruins of Arnak, at least, you could go back and play any of the scenarios individually. That's something actually I like, because even if I want to play alone, for example, because it's a two or one player um, yeah. experience. Is it possible to do it in this one, or or it doesn't make sense? That's a good question. Um, you probably could. I don't know if it never occurred to us to do to do that to go back and replay a scenario, but you probably could. And so you're right. If you play, if if we played one in here or in Lost Ruins of Arnak, if we played one that we really liked, that was an interesting puzzle. That we, I, I think we could probably go back and play it. But uh, when we, when we were done with it, we were happy that we had told this big epic story and we just looked forward to an expansion rather than going back and playing more of it. But I did share it with a bunch of friends after that too, because it's not a legacy game. So mm -hmm. we, yeah, we could exactly. completely reset it and share it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you both. I love these picks. I, I'll go over the number ones real quick again. So we had uh, a Dwarf Romantic, Lost Runes of Arnak, Role Player Adventures. Um, I've loved hearing your thoughts today about your favorite games to play with partners and why you thought they were a good fit for partners to play in general. If you have any closing thoughts, uh, feel free to, to, to share them now. Stuart or Philippe, do you have any closing thoughts for people who might be watching this? No, just um, thanks for having, you, having me on. It's, uh, I love yeah. watching your show. I love all the games you produce. And I love that you're doing this session with all the different ambassadors and different special guests. It's, um, yeah, it's really good. And 
I, I like watching it just to get uh, ideas for games that I'm going to add to the collection behind me. I just need more shelves. That's the only trouble. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I'm also very honored to be here. And I I really like this topic. This is something very close to my heart because, yeah, my wife is my main playing partner. So this topic was uh, it's basically immediate to me when, when Jamie sent the, the, the survey asking for suggestions for topics to appear with even. With I was like, yeah, of course, to play games or play, not to play games, uh, games to play with a partner because it's what we do and what I'm trying to find every day. Yeah, uh, that, that was one thing I meant to say was my kids are getting so old now that they don't want to play with dad anymore. So my wife is the only <laughs> one that will play with me. So I've got to find games that she enjoys. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I, I've loved hearing your list and I am curious to hear anyone who's watching this in the future, what your favorite game is to play with your partner and why you selected that game. What, what made it, what makes it really special for you to play with that um, special person in your life? Let us know in the comments. All right. Thank you both so much and have a good day and a good night for, for you. Thank you.